Treating seed this spring? AGI Storm FX brings you the ultimate innovation in seed treating for your modern-day farming operation, offering you speed, accuracy, and flexibility. With a simplified design, gentle handling, and precise performance, you can choose to pre-treat or treat your seed just in time. This season, choose the AGI Storm FX Seed Treater to keep you on schedule and ahead of the curve. Visit aggrowth.com for more information or to find your nearest dealer. Hi, I'm Caitlin Dubin, and this is the Rural Woman Podcast. I'm a first-generation farmer who married into agriculture. Born and raised in a city, I was so unfamiliar with where my food came from, but I was determined to figure it out. Through my journey into agriculture, I saw women who were strong, but humble, often taking a back seat. To me, these women were leaders who deserved a seat at the table. I created the Rural Woman Podcast to share the voices of women in an industry whose stories often went untold. The rural entrepreneurs who live and breathe their work, full of grit and pride. We come here to share our stories, to be in community with each other, to be challenged and inspired, but most importantly, to be celebrated and to be heard. We may not all live, farm, ranch, or homestead the same, but we are all connected. We are rural women, and our stories are worthy of being told. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. This week, you'll meet Kendall Van Hall. Kendall is a farmer in the Palliser Triangle in Alberta. She is an Olds College graduate where she studied horticulture before coming back to the family farm and feedlot in 2015 and began farming her own piece of ground under her own farm in 2016 with her husband. They are solely under irrigation in the Eastern Irrigation District. Kendall is also part of the Brooks and District Feeders Association board where she is now on her second term. And another fun fact... Kendall is also now a published author, so I'm going to put the link in the show notes to her new book, which is pretty cool. So congratulations on that, Kendall. (laughs) Before we get to Kendall's interview today, let's go over this week's listener review. This five-star rating and review is titled Encouraging. Whether you are living an agricultural-based life or not, you will enjoy these amazing stories about women who are following their dreams and supporting their families. Thanks to Caitlin for creating a platform on which all of these women can share their stories and connect with each other. Well, thank you so much, Lily in the Garden via Apple Podcast for that kind rating and review. I so appreciate all of the wonderful reviews that I have received. And if you, my friend, have not left a rating and review over on Apple Podcast or any other platform that you listen to the Rural Woman Podcast, if you would so kindly do that, I would really appreciate it. Also want to take a quick moment to welcome our newest patron to the patron community, Karen from the Just Grow Something podcast. Thank you so much for your financial support of the show. 
If you are interested in learning more about how you can become a patron of the Rural Woman Podcast, head to the link in today's show notes and learn all about how your financial support supports the stories of women in agriculture to be shared through the podcast. As well, if you are a patron, at if you're at tier 10 or higher, you are getting an episode of maybe you can relate through your earbuds real soon. So can't wait for that. Without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's episode with Kendall. Hello, Kendall. Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. I am doing so good. I am excited to chat with you today for the show. We are basically neighbors. and Very, very much so, yeah. <laughs> very much so. <laughs> I just think it is so neat. It's not overrelated here, so. <laughs> well, yeah, we, we do say, I make the joke that, you know, when we can connect so many people that we know, I'm assuming somehow, some way we're related, so. <laughs> yes. For the listeners who may not be related to you and may be unfamiliar with you, Kendall, give us your background and tell us how you got your start in agriculture. Well, my start in agriculture would have definitely been just doing chores as a young child in my parents' feedlot, which is mostly just shoveling seed bunks if and picking rocks as uh, all or many farm kids get to experience. But then I graduated high school and I went to Olds College and I actually took the horticulture program and the landscaping program and wanted initially to go into greenhouses, but that didn't pan out. And we, or my husband and I now farm in the Eastern Irrigation District in Alberta, Southern Alberta. And yeah, got our start, I don't know, just asking around and we signed some ground, some rented ground. And I think the first year we ever farmed, we grew wheat and canola. And then every year after that, it feels like I have a new crop to learn about, whether it's flax or doing seed canola and under irrigation. And uh, yeah, it's just, I guess that's my start initially. And I bought my first bit of cattle in 2014 and kind of learn on the fly and keep on going. And that's kind of my start, I guess. Yeah, you were basically born into the gig and your uh, dad obviously had some great after school help. <laughs> Every single school holiday I can remember, I was doing something in the on the farm, mostly shoveling feed bunks, if I want to say. Shoveling feed bunks or cleaning out water troughs. I'm pretty sure those are my jobs for many, many a year. Yeah, for sure. So you went to Olds College, and I would say you took kind of a different stream than maybe people would have thought you took. So what was it about greenhouses that interested you? Oh, greenhouses are just such a nice place to be in. And, you know, it's the green thumb kind of thing. It's a joyful place to, to work. And that's what I find with farming too. It's just you have, there's a lot of intangible benefits with farming that aren't maybe like salary or some of that thing. And it's just, you get to be outside, fresh air, beautiful plants usually, except for with farming, you're mostly always looking for the wrecks. You don't necessarily get to sit and enjoy what you are doing. You're just going from wreck to wreck or you know, cattle route or something. But yeah, it was a bit of a different route. But Old College was great for the fact that you got to mingle with a lot of farmers from all over Canada anyways. I, think, I don't think we had any American students at the time in our program or in our school. But so you'd run into and get to know other kids in agriculture management classes and everything. And yeah, a bit of a roundabout path back. But the horticulture, interestingly enough, didn't 
necessarily give me as well of a background as the landscaping did for going into agriculture. I've definitely had more applicable knowledge coming out of my landscaping diploma than I would have had out of the horticulture besides, you know, your basic plant nutrients and stuff like that. Yeah, that's super interesting. So you meet your husband. Did you meet him at Olds College? Yeah, I did actually meet him at Olds College. Funny enough, my older brother was also at Olds College with me at the same time, and he was in the egg management program, and my now husband was also in the egg management program, but he was from Vancouver Island, and he went to the program, and he is one of those farmers that talks farm all the time. I always bug him about it, but he's gotten me to where even in the evenings I'm watching combine videos on my phone now, so we did meet in Olds College, and he is just a very passionate very passionate person for, for agriculture. And interestingly, I grew up more in the thick of things on the farm, but I definitely learned a lot from him because he just soaks it up like no, no problem. Yeah. So what was it about grain farming then specifically that you and your husband were drawn to? Why did you want to become grain farmers? For grain farming, I think it was more the opportunity to do some aspects of agriculture is very challenging. And we were kind of blessed and got lucky and had some gracious neighbors who were willing to rent us their ground for a few years to start. And then we would, you know, prove our ability as young kids coming out of college, whether or not we could actually do the farming. So in a sense, it's not so much the, this is exactly what we want to do. It, It was people who don't farm under irrigation. We only, it's 160 acre fields at most. And so you don't get to drive just a factor in a straight line for a very long time, necessarily. So it's more the fact that we had the opportunity to do grain farming where we are, and then we grabbed the opportunity, ran with it. And we've kind of grown every year. We, you know, we try and try new crops and whether or not those crops work out. I always think in even where we are, it's, we have too many choices of crops, in a sense, with having irrigation available that you can run into some problems with how, you know, your rotation goes or your chemical rotation goes. But I think it was more, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, this is exactly what we wanted to do. But now it's, we've got the opportunity and it's just so interesting. And it always keeps your mind going that we just kind of fell in, fallen in love with what we do on the day to day. We just keep on going with it. So, yeah. So let's talk more about the love-hate relationship with <laughs> irrigation farming, because we ourselves are are quite lucky to be under irrigation for most of our, our land. So is irrigation something that you were used to or that your husband was used to in the area that you were? Or was this kind of like, oh, great, we have water to put on our crops? I think irrigation is definitely something, if you don't have irrigation, you want irrigation. And if you have irrigation, you're definitely going to be complaining about pivots and fixing pivots a lot. I grew up under irrigation. My uh, husband did not. And I we had flood ground and pivots. I've never worked with wheel line of any sort, but our oldest pivot is, I think, 43 years old. It's at least 43 years old. It's an old Zomatic. It used to be one of those towable pivots that's been worked on and worked on. And the beautiful thing about it is now when it breaks, you know exactly what to fix. And that's the best thing about that machine by far. But pivots break constantly. And it's all in the design. And they are wonderful. We do get to put water down. I, it's hard to keep the pivot like even in this last uh, heat wave in, that we had over the summer of the drought that North America kind of experienced, keeping a pivot going was a challenge because it only puts down so much water that it's designed for. And you have to check on them. You know, people like, you know, with cows will go check on calves. And usually there's pivot checks often with irrigation farmers, whether it's flat tires or just leaf cutter bees clogging up electrical boxes. And they are 
great thing we wouldn't be able to farm where we live without having irrigation available to us. The dryland farms where we have been have almost pulled off near to no crops, whereas with irrigation, you're basically, it's expensive, but you're more than likely to get a crop. And that's one of the beauties of it. That's one of the love for it. But yes, it's a very headache of a time sometimes keeping them running. We could probably go on for days about the hate relationship that uh, you have with pivots. <laughs> yeah, well, and even in the winter, it's, you know, your pivot's not running, it's parked. But the windstorms, and in southern Alberta, we can get some amazing windstorms, and they can just blow the pivot over. And then you have to fix it before spring comes, because sometimes you need the pivot to bring up the crop first thing, because we have no rain. So it's a love-hate. It's definitely a love-hate. Yeah, it's funny. So I obviously didn't grow up in agriculture, married a farmer, didn't know anything about egg. A cousin of mine also married a farmer. She did not grow up in egg, and I would hazard a guess that she knew about as much as agriculture as I did. But she married a dryland farmer and it was really funny. I remember, I think it was the first summer or second summer after we had both been married and I saw that they were going on a summer vacation. And I said to my husband, well, well how do they do that? Like, what, where are they going on this vacation? Because I know like you know, this is big family going on this big vacation. And he had said, well, they've done what they needed to do. Now you pray for rain and go on vacation. And I just thought to myself. Yeah, farmers with irrigation, when you have irrigation, you're babysitting irrigation pretty much all spring, especially when you have to balance it with spraying or balance it with, you know, we do the canola seeds with the mowing. And so you can't just turn the pivot around drive your tractor through all muddy and everything with the ground muddy and then turn your pivot back on. So it's, it's a, it, to put down, I think we're licensed for 24 inches within the, our irrigation district, but to put that much down, you'd be turning on that pivot every day and just babysitting and washing it. And if you, if the pivot turns off accidentally, you have to be there. Otherwise it's, you know, it might be flooding. It might be making a lake and you don't want that if something's not working properly. So yeah, we don't get the that dry. I won't say that dry land vacation in the summer, but we might get a weekend or two. But it's yeah. not quite the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it's very funny to compare the dry land to irrigation, and I always love having these conversations with people who understand the benefits of irrigation, but also the big headache that comes along with it. Yes, very big headache some days. You can help support the stories of women in agriculture to be shared through the Rural Woman podcast on Patreon. What is Patreon? It's a membership-based platform that helps fund and support creators like me to create and produce content like this that you all love. New to the Rural Woman podcast, Patreon is ad-free listening and patron-only bonus content and exclusive episodes. Learn more and join the patron gang today at patreon.com slash the rural woman podcast. So when you're not working on your farm, you are working off of your farm at your parents' feedlot. So tell us more about that and the, your parents' operation. Yeah, so my parents run a small feedlot finishing yard 
for steers and we take them to finish. And then we have, we're lucky in Alberta to have the two local packing plants within Alberta. And most of my time is spent just doing general maintenance and driving a feed truck. I am the feed truck driver, which is great. I get to listen to many a podcast, many a rural woman's podcast. And pretty much I check pens, I do cattle things, I fix a lot of fence. I pick up a lot of garbage. I, you know, work in the bins. You know, I get to shovel a lot of grain bins. And it's just the basic day-to-day chores. That's kind of what my role is. And it works out well because I can manage. You can do a lot of emails from a feed truck. You can make a lot of phone calls from a feed truck. So it's kind of been great in the sense that you can, and and with it being my family's farm, that they can understand the balance of it. So if, if, say, a pivot breaks down or you need to be somewhere to hook something up more else, you can just manage the feedlot on your own because I'm doing all the chores, I guess I should say, and get the jobs done. So it's been a people don't like doing chores, but that chore chores is some of the best part of the working with my family in our small small feed yard, essentially. So yeah, that's great. Well, and I like how you're able to essentially balance between the two operations, and like you said, you're able to kind of multitask while you're in the truck feeding the cattle. Let's go back to 2020. And you had mentioned about the processors being very close to where you all are. What was that experience like for your operation back in 2020 when the packing plants started to close down for a period? Well, that was an absolutely crazy time because so that packing plants closed on a Monday the Friday before, we shipped out our last cattle that we had that needed to go onto a truck to that packing plant, and then it was closed for the following weeks, and we had no fat animals. We basically cut one beat that, that closing period by a day, or like the two days, Saturday, Sunday, before that plant shut down, which is just a stroke of luck, in a sense. We didn't have to feed any animals over that period because... or backlogged any fat animals during that period but um we honestly just got to watch it it was very stressful time for a lot of people in uh, southern alberta but i don't know if the cattle feeding industry is anything but stress at all times whether it's with the drought for people getting grain i know most of the feed coming into southern alberta seems to be from the state now we got to finish off our animals that we currently have with barley yet but i know a lot of barley is gone and People bring up corn and DDGs from the states to feed in southern Alberta. But it's uh, the, the cattle feeding game is it's a very stressful experience. It's a lot of uh, management, essentially. And I don't do all of that. I don't buy the grain or anything, but it's just a lot of tracking it. And even if you think you know where you've gotten, it's climbing up the bins and sticking your head in to be like, how much do I actually have in here? Whether or not we drive, um, we weigh everything in and we weigh everything out and we keep track as best we can, but things definitely do happen. So yeah, no, we didn't have to experience that backlog on the finishing side of things that some people did. We are a half hour south from the JBF packing plant and about an hour and a half east from the Cargill one. And it was a stressful time for a lot of people in our area. And I uh, definitely don't know how they got through that, but they did. And they have managed to. And that speaks to the resiliency of farmers in a sense, because it's been a very stressful couple of years. (laughs) Yeah, That is the understatement of the year, right? Of being a little stressed over the last couple of years. And it it's just interesting. And thank goodness that your cattle got there when they needed to get there and not a moment later. But just the stress of 
people having to go through that and not knowing how they're going to feed their animals. And, you know, when you don't know how you're going to feed your animals, then that really goes down the line of how are you going to feed your family and how are you going to keep this operation going? And it's stressful. And even we're talking about, you know, in 2022, I was able to meet with a group of farmers a couple of weeks ago and we kind of brought up the stresses that, you know, last year has brought to our industry. And a woman looked me dead in the eye and said, we're still going through that stress because they don't know how they're going to feed their cattle. They count their bales every single day to see how many bales they have left and are wondering where they're going to get their next bales. And it's not that, you know, they can't, you know, it's just that they can't even get them. They're so backlogged and whether, you know, that's due to a shipping or that's due to there's just none available in their area. Like it's just, it's a stress that. I, I completely understand when they talk to stress because even currently as we we're right now in uh, February here, we have animals that need to go this coming up Thursday or this, this week and whether or not they're going to get to where they need to go for just the trucking availability and everything is a, an interesting debacle. But we, you know, you, you have faith a little bit. It's kind of like every time you see a storm cloud, you have faith that you won't get hailed out. But yeah, if, if we ended up having to keep them, then we'd be in that same stress and you would be figuring out every single thing you had, whether or not you need it or what the neighbors had. You'd be phoning them all because you just need to keep the animals together. And thankfully, especially within the egg industry, especially with livestock, People look out for other people's livestock if they can. Yeah, I just find that to be incredibly like heartwarming for me to know this. And especially not coming from inside this industry. You know, I think people have a general idea of, you know, when you think of farmers, oh, there's neighbors helping neighbors and all of the things. And you know, for the most part, that does happen. But there are instances that don't. Like, it just doesn't happen. We're not helping one another when we should be or could be. But when it comes to livestock, I feel like people drop whatever it is that they're doing to go and help their fellow neighbor and to help them find resources to help this livestock. So No, I completely agree. I think I think farmers are some of the gruffest but softest people you'll ever meet once you kind of peel back the layers there. Nobody wants to see animals in any sort of pain or discomfort. They want them to be, you know, on their full fancy ration and eaten away and bedded down and everybody's happy when that live all livestock farmers are happy when the livestock is well taken care of but when it's not you know and especially even with if trucks break down feed trucks break down or feed wagons break down there is a neighbor almost definitely that is around to uh to help you out so they all get it they're, they're on the same page there so. yeah for sure so off of the farm you actually have a position on the Brooks and Districts Feeders Association Board. Tell us about that position and what made you decide to be a part of that membership. That was another one where it was, that's where I bought my first bunch of cattle through. And then they had a position open on the board. And so I volunteered for it. And I uh, figured, why not? It's a bit of a learning experience, but that's the whole beauty about boards, right? Boards need that diversity. Even if I was young, I think I got on it when I was like 23 or 24 is when I first got on that and uh, learned a lot, of course, but it's a different perspective as well. And especially coming from the young farmer perspective, which is there's young farmers, but then there's what people think young farmers are able to do, whether it's, you know, have the quarter 
the big bucks to put down on a land payment is not necessarily the same kind of context. So to have a young farmer's perspective on a board is great. There's another young, uh, younger member on that board with me because, again, there was position double, and so uh, we jumped at them. And it's been a really good experience. Met a lot of, lot of people from the area. And sometimes, you know, you sit on a board, and especially being a, a young woman, you sit on the board and you're like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here. And then they, they'll bring up topics that you know a lot about, so you can really give your two bits. And maybe you know more than some of the people sitting at the table, even though they have been farming for 40, 50 years. Or, but then there's sometimes where they definitely know more, and you just give your two bits as you can, and you just work with it. And the nice thing about a feeders association board or like a local board like that is it has rules set to it by the government. So it's like, there's only so much you can do within the rules that are given to you. It's not a private board. So you can only work within those guidelines. And if you want to change the guidelines, you have to go through the process through your local feeders association to your uh, provincial meetings, and then put it in through the government to see if anything's going to change. So it's uh, been a great experience. There's, I definitely think more, more people should just, go for it on the board positions it's because boards are all about having the diversity of opinion and you know you, you read the mandates and you read what the board's supposed to be about and you follow it as best you can and yeah it's been an amazing experience so it's been a lot of fun that's so great and like you said the boards need diversity and especially in agriculture for the women that are listening to this that have thought about joining the board but have been turned off whether it's because there's no other women on the board, or they're afraid. What advice do you have for them to move past those fears? The fears, I think fear will never actually leap in a sense, but I think it's people always doubt themselves, but especially you're, if you're hanging around agriculture or hanging around whatever industry you're in, you pick up on more than you even know. And so you'll have, you'll see things maybe that other people won't see, but you, you, even if you can't necessarily articulate it, you know how something is necessarily run, for instance. I think just give it a try. You can always quit. Or, and it, you know, that's the beauty about it. You're, especially for boards that are volunteer positions, you are there, you are doing your best, you read the mandates, just read the stuff that they give it to you, you will learn it, ask questions, ask them questions, get smarter faster. I think most people, when you're, you're really trying to learn it, they will help you. I've ever had somebody who, well, I'll ask them questions, but I've never had somebody really give me grief for it in a sense, but more so they realize that you're, you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to learn it. Nobody knows how boards work until you start to get on them. Some people think it's a little bit like some 4-H, but I never did 4-H, so I have no idea there. So if people have done 4-H, maybe they have one up on me yet and should get on their next board that comes up. But I think it's, it's a risk worth taking and it's not... People will help you. People are, if you ask for help, you'll get it. And uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I think that is good, you know, multi-dimensional uh, life advice you've just given is, <laughs> 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 I and especially that the fear is never going to go away. And more specifically, I like what you said about you probably know more than you think you do when it comes to things. There will be times I'm having conversations with people or I'm talking to Justin and I'm talking about something and he's like, wait, how do you know that? It's like, well, I've only <laughs> been here for five years and this is all you've been talking about for the last five years. So I I listened a little bit, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that makes it think about like the first time I was even on a combine or drove a combine, I guess. I'd always been around them. And then one day uh, my husband usually operates it, but he had to go someplace. So I sat in the driver's seat, went up the field, went down the field, and he was gone. And that was my training to drive this combine. But you're always around the machine or you're, if you're always around cattle, you're just, you pick up on it regardless if you're actually like forcefully trying to pay attention or if you're just there, you will pick up on it. And uh, there was no problem. I did finish out the field. It was all good. So you always know more than you think you do. Well, and I love that you seem to approach these new things, whether that is driving a feed truck or a combine or being a part of a board of it's okay to try these things. And it's also okay not to be good at them. And if it's really something that you really don't enjoy, it's a learning experience. You've tried something, you've put your hat in the ring and if it works, that's great. And if it doesn't, at least you tried. Yeah. Well, and you will, just by doing it, you'll get better at it. So for instance, like our, I don't run the baler on our farm or anything that we do. And I am horrible at it. When I watch my brother do it, he is amazing at it. It looks like it's going to give him whiplash just starting and stopping everything. But then there's some jobs where I'll do it and I'll be the more competent one or just it, the job goes more smoothly because I do it much more often. So it's not whether if I practice it, I probably get to the same level, but I don't do it all that often. So you can't expect to get the same results when you don't do it all that often. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a give and take, but I think it's just a lot of fun to just try to. That's what one thing that's nice about agriculture and farming. It's, there's a lot of figure it out on the go, regardless if you've been farming for 60 years or for the few years that I have, I think. Yeah. Well, and like you said, you get better when you do it more and that, you know, the fear maybe never goes away. It, you know, it doesn't matter how many times I've ran a piece of equipment after, you know, the spring thaw and it's time to go out in the field. I still need the like step-by-step tutorials of how to do things because I haven't done it for six months. And, you know, my husband has been working this piece of equipment for 30 plus years of his life, well, of course he's going to know how to do it. And it's like riding a bike. For me, I still have my training wheels on sometimes and I think that's okay. And like you said, being curious and just going out and trying new things. I just wish that for every woman in agriculture on your operation. And I understand that people have different roles on each and every operation. And I never think that any role is more than or less than one another. But if you have something that you've been wanting to try or you think that, you know, hey, maybe I could run that piece of equipment or I could help out during this time of season, then I'm all for you going to try because you're talking to a person who, first of all, had no intention of being a farmer and uh, <laughs> never had an intention of being a podcaster either. And here we are today. So. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And especially for women, this is one I always think of. I, in my farm truck, I carry way more tools than any of the guys do because whether it's even just like a fence tightener for gates and a, like a large bar, I am built differently than the men in my family. I don't have the same upper body strength, so I have to use tools. Like it's fine. My truck is just filled with a lot more tools than they are. I get the job done just as a lot of the jobs, just as fast, just as fine as everyone else. And if I have to ask for help, I have to ask for help, but uh, hydraulics are there for a reason and we use them to our advantage. So, Yeah, 
Exactly. And, you know, the saying goes like work smarter, not harder. I think a woman came up with that. <laughs> Don't quote <laughs> I me agree. on it. But <laughs> no, I think that's perfect. That's definitely what happened. So, Kendall, what are your plans for the future on your home operation? And what do you hope for in the future for your parents' operation? Oh, that is such a good question. Honestly, right now, I, I'm not sure how to answer it just because it's hard to see where the world's going. I definitely like the idea of irrigation. I'll probably stick to it. But maybe that might be just a bit of a crutch that I'm hanging on. Some days it's just, I don't know if it's about growth or if it's just about farming the ground that we have more efficiently. I think there's a bit of both in that. It's every year you never know, really. And I always think even if you're not prepared for the opportunity that's coming, you just take it and then you figure out how to do it after the fact, whether it's more land or a new crop or some of that. But honestly, I'm not sure. <laughs> like it's, you know, we have our crops booked for the next year, but as we've learned in the last few years, so many things can change. Uh, it's not for sure until it's actually in the ground. And yeah, I think we'll keep the lot going, hopefully, if all Southern Alberta's cattle industry stays strong and all of that. But uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a mystery. Nobody knows the future. So we just take it day by day, year by year, I guess. That is a perfectly acceptable answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's a stressful time. There's a lot happening in the world out there. Right? There, so. <laughs> if you would have been asked this question five years ago, the answer would might have been different. But you know, when we live in... The- yeah, I might have had a five-year plan, but... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> My last question for you, Kendall, is what is the most rewarding part about being a farmer for you? Oh, the most rewarding part is definitely all the intangible benefits, I think. Like being in the fresh air, spending time with family, at least on my own operation, watching sunsets. You're outside all the time. You might as well just take a minute Southern Alberta gets some beautiful sunsets. It's being outside. It's just enjoying the fresh air, enjoying the day, trying to enjoy the work you're doing if it's a wreck or if it's just the stores. I think it's just being in the challenge. The challenge is really rewarding. I think that's one thing when we have visitors, especially like you're doing tangible jobs a lot of the time. So you get to see the reward at the end of the day. And that's, that's really nice. For sure. Those are all good benefits. Even in southern Alberta, when it's very windy, we still get really nice sunsets. We do. We do. Yeah. Yeah. For the listeners who would like to connect with you after the show, where can they find you online? Uh, They can find me on Instagram. That's probably the only place to find me. I am on Twitter, but I am a not much of a, I don't do a lot of that, but I think it's a fascinating world. Learn a lot. Egg Twitter is always really good. But yeah, you can find me on Instagram, Kendall Van Hall. Yeah. That's about it. Be, I'd be happy to have you guys hang around. I One of the best things from all of the, the podcasts and Instagram and everything is connecting with other rural women. So it's a lot of fun. I completely agree. It, uh, it's, it's my favorite place to hang out too, is over on the Instagram. <laughs> so thank you so much for sharing your story with us, Kendall. And thank you for adding your voice to the Rural Woman podcast. Oh, thank you. It was so much fun. It was good. Good time. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast, a proud member of the Positively Farming Media Podcast Network. The Rural Woman Podcast is more than just a podcast. We are a community. A huge thank you to the Rural Woman Podcast team, audio editor Max Hofer, and admin support from Kim & Co. Online. 
A special thanks to our Patreon executive producers, Sarah Reedner from Happiness by the Acre and Carrie Munven from Laystone Farms. To learn how you can become a Patreon executive producer or other ways to financially support the show, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more. Be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast to get the latest episodes directly on your playlist. And if you are loving the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that accepts ratings and reviews. You can connect with us on social media at The Rural Woman Podcast and with me at Wild Rose Farmer. One of the best ways you can support the show is by sharing it. Send this episode to a friend or share on your social media. Let's strengthen and amplify the voices of women in agriculture together. Until next time, my friend, keep sharing your story. Did you know that you can get this same great episode of the Rural Woman podcast ad-free? I get it. Listening to ads during a podcast isn't always my favorite either, but in order to keep the lights and coffee pot on here at the Rural Woman Podcast Studios, they are necessary. I am so grateful to each and every one of my sponsors, but if you yourself would like to skip the ads while supporting the show, consider joining me over on Patreon. Patrons of the Rural Woman Podcast get ad-free episodes starting at Tier 5 on their podcast player of choice each week, plus some other great benefits. Find out more by heading to the link in today's show notes to learn how you can become a patron through Patreon.